as we are called by Jesus and see who he is, we should be compelled with joy to share him with others. And I don't think that looks like I have, you know, it can, the spirit can do it. In the, you can be on an airplane and the spirit can say, Hey, you need to share Jesus with this person. So that can happen, but I don't think that has to be what it is. All I think it looks like being open to your neighbors, being open to your coworkers, being open when you're working out at the gym and looking for gospel opportunities to build real relationship and, and share the real Jesus with others. You're listening to The Chopping Block, a weekly podcast from City Life Church where we have short, informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. If you didn't get the chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so that you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. Well, we're back in the chopping block, on the chopping block, in the chopping block. I'm going to let you keep going as long as you want to. <laughs> back for another episode of the chopping block. <laughs> you should always do the intro. I need coffee. That's what I need. Brett, big win last night for the Lakers. Yes, it was. LeBron showing himself to be LeBron still. If you guys don't know, Brett, what's your middle name? Harmon. Brett Harmon Wiley is the biggest LeBron James stan of all time. That's true. I've got several hundred Twitter burner accounts that I just tweet things at all night long. That's not true, but seriously. <laughs> we better get to discussing the text. Well, um, Brett, this Sunday, this past Sunday, you preached uh, the second of a three-part series, uh, Three Questions for Jesus. Yeah. From Mark chapter 2. Um, so in week one, I covered uh, the question, who can forgive sins but God alone? This week, uh, you tackled the question from Mark 2 verse uh, 16. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Yeah. Um, and it it deals with Jesus' call of Levi, also known as Matthew. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I thought it was a great word. Really enjoyed um, how you tackled the text. Um, so there are a few things that I wanted to to go deeper uh, go deeper into with you this morning. Um, I don't know if I said that right. Go deeper into this morning. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Help me out. I need coffee. Um, so one of the things that that jumped out to me as I was um, looking back over this text, thinking about it, was you really have these distinct groups um, around Jesus. So verse 13 says that he went out again beside the sea. That's the Sea of Galilee. The whole crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. So you have have this crowd that's gathering around Jesus, um, which can then be distinguished from Jesus' own disciples. So he's begun to call Mm -hmm. disciples to actually follow him and and to be his apprentices, and he's going to call Levi to be one of those. Um, and then you have the scribes and the Pharisees also who increasingly are becoming antagonistic toward Jesus. So yeah. you have, you have this, this group that's antagonistic towards Jesus. You have this group that's been called by Jesus to be his disciple. But then you have this third group. Um, and you could probably even lump Levi's friends in with this group who are approximate to Jesus. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, 
they're close to Jesus, but they're not necessarily disciples yet. Yeah. Um, which I find fascinating. Um, and I thought it might be helpful to just think through the differences there of what does it mean to be in the crowd mm-hmm. versus what it means to be one of the called. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. You know, I think, again, some of the reality we have here is just Jesus growing popularity. You know, we looked at that last week with the overflowing house that, um, that the four friends and the paralytic have to rip through the roof to get into. So there's people that are just trying to figure out who this Jesus is about or what this Jesus is about. You know, whether they've heard about his healings, whether they've heard this radical teaching from a friend, whatever it might be, they're, they're interested to know what this guy's about. Um, so some of that's good. Some of that intrigue's good, right? And some of it, but some of it probably can even equal to some of what we see in American Christianity today of just, I'm looking to get something from Jesus or maybe have um, something that just comes from some sort of societal, you know, um, worth or, or, or plus that comes from being near Jesus, right? Or just kind um, of following the crowd. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Everybody's going to see this guy, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you, you made the statement, I think it's true, we need to be careful that proximity to Jesus, being near to Jesus, even attending church, doesn't mean you know Jesus, right? Even walking into a church building doesn't mean you actually know Jesus or you're, you're living like one of his disciples. Um, being a disciple means answering the call of Jesus to leave everything behind and follow him. There's a difference between just, hey, I just walk with the crowd. I'm kind of near Jesus. You know, I hear some of the things he says. And, no, I've left everything behind to follow this guy and be like him. Right. And then on the other side of that, you have this growing, as you said, it's just really clear in the Gospels that as Jesus' popularity is growing, there's opposition that's growing. You know, we could do all kinds of conversations about the spiritual realities there, right, of the enemy who's working against uh, the ministry of Christ. But the Pharisees increasingly become uh, hostile. And, and you know, sometimes you read these questions and you go like, oh, that doesn't sound that bad. I mean, they're just asking a question, but there's there's implicit hostility behind the question like why does he eat with tax collection sinners like he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing yep. he's upsetting the order the, the 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 status quo that we like to live in that gives us power that gives us um that makes us feel holy and so as he continues to press on that as you'll see next week with your text at some point these guys are going to go okay this dude's done we got to get rid of this we got to get rid of him yeah well, I think for the average person listening to this podcast, they're probably not in that category of like antagonism right. toward Jesus. We might encounter those people, uh, certainly in our lives, and um, they're they're definitely in our culture, right? Um, but I do think that there are um, a lot of people who are approximate to the church, doing church things, you know, associating themselves in various ways with Christianity. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important to to recognize that there's a difference between that and being a, a disciple of Jesus, where you're learning the ways of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're you're coming under um, him as an apprentice, and you're you're declaring that he's the Lord of your life. Um, yep. And I just find, yeah, I, I find, you know, it's it's one of those interesting themes that we see throughout the Gospels. I mean, certainly some of these people do become disciples because there's more than 12 at the end. Certainly, yeah. You know, And, you know, it's interesting that when they're describing the dinner in verse, for, verse 15, 
says, while Jesus was reclining at table in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with them, and his disciples were eating with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who were following him. Right. So, you know, there's some discrepancy or some difference among commentators what who the many were, but I think in general most people assume, hey, some of these sinners and tax collectors that are just thrown into this group are already following Jesus. Right. Which is... Just tells you something about the type of people that Jesus attracted. Yep. Certainly Mary and certainly, sure, you know, many of the women um, who were disciples uh, because we find them there at the end. Yeah. You know, they're the first to the tomb, um, you know, on Sunday morning. So, yeah. um, well, you know, you mentioned this, this dinner party that Jesus mm-hmm. attends at Levi's house. So he calls Levi. He says, hey, I want you to follow me. Levi follows Jesus and immediately his first thought is to invite his friends. Yeah. And to host this dinner party where his friends can meet Jesus. Yeah. Um you know and and I read that I'm convicted by that. You 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 dealt with this Sunday mm-hmm. of just um really pressing into this question of like who has shared your dinner table in the last mm-hmm. few months. Um but I think if we're honest um, many of us are averse to this idea that as a disciple of Jesus, we're called to invite others to be disciples. Yeah. Um, evangelism is maybe intimidating for a lot of people. I think because it's been done wrong or done poorly mm-hmm. in the past, maybe we've had a negative experience or maybe our church has done it poorly in the past or we've just, you know, we've seen it done in a in a bad way, I think there's a lot of us. If we're honest, are uncomfortable with the idea of of being called to call others. Yeah, um, of living as disciples of Jesus by making disciples, but we can't get away from it. Right? It's mm-hmm. it's in the New Testament. And here we see Levi doing it almost instinctually. It's like the first thing that he does as a disciple is to invite his friends. Um. Maybe speak into that. Just um, do we have to live this way? Is this a mandate on our lives? Um, and maybe what's a healthy way for us to do this? Yeah. Um, well, I, to the question, do we have to do this? I think that the, the um, Great Commission answers that for us. I think we do have to do it. I think we're called every person who is in Christ is called to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So, um, yes, there is some reality where we have to do this. Um, but you know, I think I don't think Levi hosts this banquet because he has to. I think that's important. So, yeah. So, so yes and yes, yes. I think we're commanded to go and make disciples. I don't think we do it because we have to. I think we do it because. We're compelled to. I think I think Levi joyfully left his old life. You know, I made the statement la- on Sunday. I think that, you know, you can't, you can't know for sure, but I doubt that Levi had to be told that he was a sinner. I doubt that he had to be told, hey, man, you're not doing things the right way here. I think, I think there's probably a badge that he wore there, right, because people are telling you who you are and what you're about. So when Jesus, this growing popular 
you know, itinerant rabbi who people are talking about everywhere calls him to follow him. It's like me. Oh my goodness. I, I can, I can be a part of this kind of life. I, I can, I can follow. Yeah. I can be one of your disciples. And, and I think he just wants to tell everybody about it. You know, some people talk about like, maybe this was a send off banquet from Levi, from his old life to his new life, whatever it was. Levi has, his cronies there, his colleagues there, his friends there. We know it's a large house. It's a large table. It's a large banquet. And so uh, I think he's doing this with joy. So, so yes, I think we're commanded to go and make disciples of all nations. I think, I think you can't get past that if you're a Christian. I think we are to be multiplying disciples, uh, disciples who make other disciples. But I think maybe one of the, even the reasons we don't do well with evangelism today is maybe we think we have to do it and that's the only reason we do it but what we should do is as we are called by jesus and see who he is we should be compelled with joy to share him with others and i don't think that looks like i have you know it can the spirit can do it in a you can be on an airplane the spirit can say hey you need to share jesus with this person so that can happen but i don't think that has to be what it is i think it looks like being open to your neighbors, being open to your coworkers, being open when you're working out at the gym, and looking for gospel opportunities to build real relationship and and share the real Jesus with others. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. I think you bring out a good point that if if our evangelism fervor is low, yeah, perhaps we've lost the wonder mm. of Jesus. Maybe um, we've become numb. Yeah. Or we've gotten distant from the marvel of mm-hmm. of his grace. The fact that he saved us and called us and loved us and that he's so good. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, I've I've found it to be true in my own life that I naturally evangelize the things that I love. Right. Whether that's my kids or my wife or um the Biscoff ice cream at Frost, like you talk about the things that have captured you. Mm -hmm. It's just a truism. It's just a reality of life. And if Jesus is truly capturing our hearts, it's going to come out somehow, some way. And so if, if we're struggling to come around this idea of evangelism, perhaps, perhaps we need to be recaptured by the wonder of Jesus. Yeah. And the other thing I might add there, Andy, is that, you know, maybe we need to really become a disciple and remember what being a disciple is means like you know a disciples you couldn't be a student of a rabbi disciple who just decided to do that like 10 minutes a day or you know every once in a while during the week it was a life decision to follow someone follow their teaching try to act like they act and do it all day every day right while you're with them it's good and so you know i think if we're doing that like it should naturally come out oh this is this is the person that i'm closest to in relationship right like it's going to naturally spill over in a conversation. If we're viewing it, maybe one of the reasons that evangelism is low right now, and maybe one of the reasons why we so many keep us keep our faith quiet is we've reduced relationship with Jesus to a quiet time. It is this 15 minutes in the morning. That's what faith is. Mm-hmm. And we've lost the life of a disciple that spills over into everything we do. Yeah. Recapturing the wonder of, of every day. Yeah. moments with Christ, you know, throughout the day, all yeah. the time. Yeah, that's good. Well, this kind of spills into the last thought that I had, which was 
Um, you know, Jesus says here in verse 17, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And you clarified, everybody's a sinner. So what he's saying is I didn't come to call those who think they're righteous, mm-hmm. but to call those who know they're sinners. Um, I think as I was listening to your sermon and I was reflecting on this text, like I think there's a lot of people who would go, you know what? Um, I know I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. I, I, I easily admit that. Um, and I'm not even the self-righteous Pharisee, you know, that Jesus tells the parable of the, the Pharisee who prayed in the temple, you know, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other men, you know, I, I fast twice a week. I, you know, I do all these religious things. Like basically it's, it's a self-righteous prayer. Mm-hmm. They'd go, you know what? That, that's not me. Like I'm not caught up in my own self-righteousness, but they would maybe struggle if they're honest to put themselves in the category of tax collector and sinner. Yeah. Because they would go, you know what? I'm a sinner. Like I, I, I mess up all the time, but I'm a pretty good person. Yeah. Like, I try to go to my kids' t-ball games and I, you know, mm-hmm. pay my taxes and pretty good dude. Help the person who is struggling because one of the moves you made in the sermon is to go, we're all Levi. Yeah. We are all, you know, partakers in the scandal of grace because we're scoundrels. Mm-hmm. You called us scoundrels on Sunday. This is true. I um, think I did that. Help the person who's struggling to come around this idea that they're truly a scoundrel. Yeah. You know, I was just talking with a guy last night. Like, I think you can sometimes hear some of what we're saying and go, man, feels like you're beating me up and telling me I'm a sinner. Like, why are you doing that? That's definitely not the goal, right? Like, but we will never experience the joy of following Jesus that Levi did if we don't understand the the wretchedness of our sin before he called us and while at the moment he called us like we'll never if we can't understand the depth of the gospel if we don't understand the depth of our sin and you know you and i can't totally help someone see that it's got to be the work of the holy spirit but i think it starts with understanding who god is like i think i'm just gonna make a general statement i'm not trying to you know offend anyone if you have a low view of your sin it's probably because you have a low view of god you know, Anselm in church history ties kind of the the weight of sin to the uh, eternal reality of who God is. That when you dishonor an eternal, holy, perfect God, your your dishonor, your sin is eternal and it is uh, massive and it is um, bigger than we can possibly imagine from a human perspective. The rebellion that we've taken part of. You call it cosmic in, rebellion or cosmic treason on Sunday, yeah, I think. Yeah, you know, you, we could get all into, like, uh, you know, Satan and his fall, but the reality is is that we joined in uh, with the ancient enemy, with the serpent, with Satan, and his bid against God to become like God. And we said, hey, we want some of that too. Um, and, and, you know, when you're, you know, I use I use essentially I use the Ten Commandments to to wrap up some of that language I used on Sunday. But you know when we're just worshiping a created thing, you know, a car, our spouse, a friend, a sports team, it doesn't feel like eternal sin, right? And when we're dishonoring our mother or father, it doesn't feel like that. But 
there's a holy God who has a real standard, who created us to be like him and to make him known. And we rejected that. And, and, and while you're rejected, your rejection might seem uh, maybe not as explicit in modern eyes because you're not being thrown in jail or you're not, you know, you haven't murdered someone or maybe you haven't con- committed physically adultery, physical adultery. Uh, we've all taken part of that. Yeah. Even with the smallest lie. And that's hard. I, I get that. You know, the, the spirit has to press that into you, but I would just challenge you. It starts with trying to understand more of who God is, his holiness, his, his character and who we've sinned against. I think maybe another way of, of saying the same thing is every time we sin, it's a recapitulation mm. of the original sin, which led to the corruption of the world. Right. And led to the death of the son of God to atone for that. Mm-hmm. And so there's no such thing as a small sin because it's a retelling of the story mm-hmm. of, that's good of just how broken the world is. Um, and we're a participant in that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's important, you know, as, as much as we're, we're called to meditate on the mercies of God and, um, to give thanks and to remember his goodness. I think it is good for us Mm -hmm. to remember our brokenness, Mm -hmm. to remember our sinfulness uh, so that we make much of the mercy of Christ. Bob Thune, I think was the first one that I saw do this, but he he said sanctification is not, um, is not learning how to hide your sin better or, um, pretend or perform your way forward. He said, sanctification is a growing awareness of God's holiness and your sinfulness. Mm -hmm. And he said, what that does is it magnifies the work of Christ. Mm -hmm. It makes the cross bigger. And as you revel in that, you actually grow into Christ likeness. Yeah. And I think the thing that makes you a joyful disciple like Levi to kind of wrap up this story who leaves his old life behind and throws a banquet to tell everybody about it is seeing the reality that Jesus is the type of Savior who sees us in our sin, our wretchedness, and he sits across the table from us. He comes into our home. He sits across the table from us. He breaks bread with us and says, hey, because of me, because of me, you can sit with me. You can be a part of my kingdom. You can experience forgiveness and love beyond what you can possibly imagine. That he comes and sits with sinners. He come, he doesn't he doesn't see us and go I don't want anything to do with him. He actually comes towards us. Right. Jesus is 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 his heart is for the sinner. And so he comes in, he dines with us, he breaks bread with us and he's the real he's the good doctor who can give us real healing because he took our sickness upon himself. That's good. I saw something yesterday that said religion says, "Oh man, I really screwed up. I really I can't let my dad find out." Mm. And the gospel says, oh, man, I really screwed up. I better call my dad. Mm. That's a good word. Well, thanks for your faithfulness on Sunday, man. It was a great, great sermon. Thanks, brother. See you next time. If you want to find out more about City Life Church or have any questions about the kinds of things we talked about today, you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card. 
We'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. Thanks for listening.